Welcome everyone to the Milking It podcast, the podcast that tugs the teat of popular culture until it explodes all over your face. I'm David Davis. And I am Boulamont. And welcome to this episode 13. Can you imagine? It's episode 13. And of course, Happy New Year. It's 2014. Can you imagine? 2014. We're back to our weekly schedule after a work-filled end to old 2013 working for the man. Thanks again for listening to the mini milk I put out at Christmas, but it was missing that one special ingredient. The man who put the boo in. Who the fuck is Boo Lamont? Yes, it's my hetero life mate, Boo Lamont. Welcome back, sir. It's good to be back, Dave. And can I say, I did enjoy your mini milk, and um, <laughs> as always. <laughs> you um, filthy but, cow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I had a good break over Christmas, and um, I have a new addition to the to the Gadget family, which I'm happy to say I'm coming to you live uh, via the magic of the Xbox One. Uh, it's replaced my old laptop uh, as my recording device for the mini uh, for the Milking It podcast. So um, I just want to say Happy New Year to all the milksters, and Dave, it's good to be back. It certainly is. But 13 is unlucky for some, but not for you guys, as you get yet another podcast chock full of geeky goodness. Hold on to your tits, kids. It's going to be amazing. This is the Milking It podcast. I've got the So indeed, here we are. It's episode 13 of the Milking It podcast. I'm David Davis and I'm joined with Boo Lamont. And we're going to start off, as always, with the geek news. Booley, what's first on the agenda? Well, plenty to talk about, Dave. Mm. Um, first things first, I want to start with a little movie news. It, it broke a few weeks ago when we were on our break. Um, but it was definitely worth mentioning because you know that here at the Milking It podcast, we love reboots. Um, <laughs> so, so this one is a classic comedy from an actor who is sadly no longer with us um, in Leslie Nielsen. They are planning on rebooting The Naked Gun. Oh, what? Oh, yes, indeed. And um, front runner to play um, the, the lead is Ed Helms, uh, mm. who you may know from... Um, TV, uh, it'd be The Office, and uh, film-wise, he was in The Hangover, one of the main characters, I believe. Um, so, David, are you up for a Naked Gun reboot? Absolutely, 100% not at all. As far as I'm concerned, there's some sacred cows, and that's probably one of them. Um, why would you even... T- you could do a movie of that style you can do that slapstick sort of visual comedy stuff you could do you know a comedy police guy why would you why does it have to have the the words naked gun attached to it exactly i mean it's like to to a lesser extent it was you know when when a when a person who is in a movie like that dies you shouldn't you should just leave it as is because no one can replace that character like in leslie nielsen um you know frank drebin was a character that he you know you can't associate with anyone else so you're right it's it's a cheap cash in on um on the name of a classic comedy um but again with these reboots you have to hold fire because i saw the trailer for uh the new planet the eggs movie recently again a reboot and if it's anything like the first one it's going to be brilliant but um so again you know 
sometimes reboots are a good thing. Planet of the Apes. Um, sometimes reboots can be a bad thing. So I'll, I'll hold I fire I... until I see more about it. I think the, the thing with that is that the Planet of the Apes is the reason it's better is that they've got much better special effects on it. They've got a whole new way of animating the characters and getting you involved and emotionally attached to uh, creatures that don't exist. Andy Serkis, uh, wonderful motion capture work in the first one. But you, you can't improve on the comedy. that it, it was funny at the time and as funny as it could be. You're not going to improve on that. It's going to be the same as the Sergeant Bilko remake with Steve Martin or the oh Pink Panther remake with Steve Martin. There's certain comedies that are just funny. They exist and they, they have this wonderful sort of... You can go back to them at any time and they're still amusing. I don't think you need to go back to it and remake it. I think I can understand the Planet of the Apes thing, absolutely. And I can understand why, you know, things like Battlestar Galactica was better when the special effects were much improved and the scripts were a, a lot better and things like that. But certainly don't, don't mess with comedy like that, surely. No, agreed. But again, as I said, we'll hold fire until we see more about it. But yeah. Oh, no, I'm going to dismiss it straight away. <laughs> you know, well, as a, as, a, as a fan of geekdom, I, I, I have that right. No, no. no let, let's see what they do with it. I mean, it's like the, the, the Robocop reboot. I'm I, I'm going to watch it because I want to see what they've done with it. But, I, you know, I'm... Just yeah, let's I mean, see how it goes. Yeah, the Robocop one. I mean, there was, there was some uh, uh, images went up on IGN this week, uh, which looked again very interesting. The whole sort of painted black, very Rolling Stones, um, is, you know, is is interesting. It, it looks like, like we said before, it looks very much like a video game. And uh, you know, again, I'd, I, you see, I'd sit through that to see what it was like. I will not sit through a Naked Gun remake. Um, one of the other things I've got uh, down on uh, my list of, uh, of geek news is, is a little bit of a sad one, really. It was the uh, the passing uh, last week of uh, James Avery, who um, most people know as one of the stars of uh, The Fresh Prince of, of Bel-Air. Um, he played Philip Banks, the, the, the father of the, the family. Um, he passed away at the age of 68, uh, but it, an incredibly talented actor and voice actor more than anything. Uh, the, the fact that... Um, he he did stuff that I didn't even know he did the voices for. Um, I I was unaware completely until, in fact, I think it was Jay who put it up on on Facebook, um, who you'll be hearing a little later on. Um, it was that he was the voice of Shredder. He was the voice of Shredder. I mean, uh, as a, as a fan of animation, as you well know, Dave, um, I, I'm well aware of James Avery's other um, credits apart from the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, which was, and he was also uncredited in the Blues Brothers. Um, but he was the voice of um, Shredder in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He was the voice of the Junkyard Dog in the Hulk Hogan Rock and Wrestling oh, uh, cartoon. Let's grab them cakes. And um, he was. All, he also did a, um, a few uh, Jap like the manga, um, the Japanese animated film uh, dub overs because he he uh, did a voice in uh, the Fist of the North Star. Um, Japanese animated movie. Oh, um, what he did like uh, the, the dubbing for it. Or? He did voices as well on some of these movies. So, oh, wow. You know, a man of many talents, and he will surely be missed by all. I mean, I, everyone loved Uncle Phil. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it's always sad to, to hear things like that when uh, you hear about him passing away. But, uh, yeah, an amazing. And I, I felt quite guilty when, when I heard the news and I, I looked on the IMDb and I was looking through the list of things that he'd done. And it was just like, wow, you know, because to me growing up, 
he he was just this guy from the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and that's that's what I knew. But um, amazing, amazing voice acting, and I'm, I'm always a big fan of voice actors, like, like we've spoken about many times. Uh, so yes, so rest in peace, James Avery. That was uh, another bit of geek news uh, from during our time off. Anyway, just thought we'd better cover it tonight. Uh, one other a bit of news, which I actually do find a bit sad myself. Not as sad as the passing of James Avery, but um, uh, the Star Wars comic book license after 20 years of diligent and dedicated service by Dark Horse Comics mm. is now being passed back to Marvel. Um, oh, wow. Obviously, obviously due to the Disney connection. Right, um, yes, yeah, yeah. Dark Horse have basically got, I think it's a year to basically tie up all the loose ends in their story arcs. And then that's it. I mean, that some of um, those from my, you know, before the episode one movie came out, um, we just had these comic books and the novels to mm. keep the story going of Star Wars. Um, and I was a huge fan of, of these of these graphic novels. And um, I never I mean, I, I collected some issues, but mainly it was the graphic novels. Um, it's, it's sad, but um, let's see what Marvel do, um, does with it. Let's hope they don't tone it down because some of the. Um, Dark Horse comics are obviously geared for mature readers, so we'll see if the Disney orientated Marvel go down the same route. Yeah, I mean that that could be interesting to see whether yeah they they only decide to because I mean obviously the the comic books and the the, the books that were published influenced a lot of the video games and we had sort of the darker video games like Force Unleashed and things like that and it'd be interesting to see whether you know because I mean we've we've heard about. I think, in fact, it was this week that uh, they announced that the uh, the Boba Fett computer game that had been in the works for quite a long time is officially never coming out. Um, uh, 1313. Yes, yeah, I think it's it's going to be one of those things where it does very much go towards that sort of family-friendly kiddie movie. And let's not forget, they are kids' movies at the end of the day. They've never been aimed at an adult audience, but certainly the media outside of the movies has been many times aimed at a, a, an adult audience, certainly. Uh, the, one of the other things that would be interesting, especially as uh, Boo has committed himself, as he told you at the beginning of the show, to uh, the uh, Microsoft world of Next Generation, which we'll uh, discuss in a little more detail later on, uh, is that Sony have been the first ones to launch their cloud-based uh, streaming service, which they're, they're calling PlayStation Now. And it's the, the, the idea being that it's a console gaming without a console. Uh, which uh, sounds very interesting. Um, they're promising, from what I understand, that uh, it's something you can subscribe to. It'd be, like I say, a cloud-based platform. And it will launch in the, the US this summer. Uh, it's going to be literally on pretty much every platform you can get. You'll be able to play it through your PlayStation, your Vita, your PlayStation 4, and all that kind of stuff. But also, uh, what they're promising is um, multiplayer quality games are running at uh, a full sort of uh, medium HD, I believe, on, on televisions and tablets as well, which sounds very interesting. I'm not sure how this is, uh, how it's going to work or how it's going to come across. And uh, will it will it spell the end for the traditional game shop? That's what everyone's asking uh, in their uh, sort of scaremongering things in the newspapers. But uh, I suppose we can ask that question now. I mean, what, what do you think about this this announcement this week from Sony, Boo? Well, Dave, I'm not completely out of bed with Sony just yet. I've got my PS3 hooked into my Xbox One ah, uh, okay. via the extra HDMI in. Mm. And I'm also a Vita owner. So, um, yeah, obviously this is of interest to me because it means that I can play, um, for example, for the example they gave was The Last of Us on my Vita. 
So, uh, ah, you know, okay. what, uh, at, at, in HD. So what's not to like? Um, I've always been a fan of Sony, as I've said. Yeah. And uh, the PlayStation Plus subscription service has just been brilliant. And I'm sure they're going to bring the same sheen to the um, to PlayStation now. Um, I'm going to wait till it comes out, see how it goes, see what's on offer. And if I like it, I'll definitely take part. Because, you know, as I said, I'm a Vita owner. I've still got my PS3. So, um, you know, lots for me still to do with my Sony platforms. I mean, I suppose it it, it solves the the big issue uh, and certainly one that I encountered when I was talking to people about the consoles in the run up to Christmas and and, and coming into the new year was that um, their concern or their, their worry that there was a big con in that you couldn't use any of the previous generation software on the, the new hardware so you know you couldn't go back and play your favorite ps3 games or you couldn't go back and play your xbox game uh, 360 games on an xbox one that kind of stuff and that this does kind of sort that out it doesn't because you're still having to pay an extra subscription to go back and play the games that you probably owned before and you've already paid them for but um i don't know i mean it'd be interesting to see how it rolls out and how successful it is and you know how responsive it is i mean i just i can't imagine how you how you play something on a tablet and or you know your iphone or or whatever it just seems bizarre to me but yeah i know very very exciting as a possibility and you know i I can only imagine that microsoft will be hot on the heels to uh to announce something as well along those sort of lines well i I imagine that they bring out some sort of controller thing or i mean they're already um controller accessories that you can get for, for for smartphones and um you know things that you can place in holders and um, mm. you can have a wireless controller. So I don't see why it couldn't work. I know if you're talking purely based on like touchscreen, yeah, I don't see that working particularly well Yeah, because it's not the same experience as holding a controller. Um, but I think with with controller-based stuff, I think it could definitely work. They've already, um, you know, they've tested it out with the, the PlayStation 4 and the Vita compatibility uh, when they cross over and you can play your PS4 games on the Vita. Yeah. It's just an early version of this streaming service, and uh, apparently it works quite well, you know, on that front. So I, I don't see why this wouldn't work. I mean, yeah, obviously, and the only other thing I, I think would, would be sort of a, a, a fly in the ointment kind of thing is is in terms of internet speeds for people, especially in the UK. I mean, there's there's not a huge amount of people who have the fiber optic broadband in the UK. They're still relying on you know normal broadband, or um, I don't imagine there's many people still on dial-up who are into internet gaming. But uh, you know, it is, it is a luxury to think, oh yeah, you've got this you know 40 gig broadband service that you can stream your movies on or now you can play games i mean i think if if they're relying on people having top speed internet connections then that might prove an issue maybe i don't know i'm not sure but it just it very interested to see you know how it all works and uh, how it all plays out and certainly how it influences you know their rivals to to kind of do the same really Talking of announcements for uh, next generation was uh, an interesting one, and not not one that I'm even sure is an actual announcement or not. It was uh, a, a bit of an accident on the website, apparently, uh, according to Bethesda. Um, we've mentioned Bethesda a lot recently. Um, one was the uh, what turned out to be a hoax for Fallout Four. Um, however, I still believe by the end of the year we will have an announcement, and we'll be looking. It will be an announcement. Yeah. they can't they can't leave us hanging like this. Oh, you know, it'd be lovely to think by Christmas I'll be playing in the wasteland again. Uh, but I, I think it'll be early uh, 2015 at the, at the earliest, definitely. But um, 
very excited in terms of uh, of a new Fallout game. But it was the uh, sort of what seems to be uh, becoming one of those things that's uh, going to be even more frequent is ports to the new generation. Um, we've already heard about Tomb Raider, the the, the really the great game from. Uh, from 2013 which was um you know really amazingly reviewed it won sort of 40 odd awards at e3 and it was genuinely regarded as a great reboot you want to talk about good reboots we always talk about rubbish reboots but uh that did was generally regarded as being an extremely great one i never got a chance to play it on 360 or ps3 uh, but i'll certainly be picking it up because it is being ported to xbox one and ps4 um i believe by the, uh, the start of february in fact uh, which would be interesting. But uh, yeah, so Bethesda um, slipped up and put some uh, announcement on their website that uh, Skyrim may well be coming uh, on uh, Xbox 360 and PS4. Sorry, Xbox 360, PS3, PC, wow. PS4 and Xbox One. So it listed all of the, the current and previous generation uh, platforms, basically, um, which... We don't know whether that was a, a complete mistake or whether it's something that's supposed to be revealed later on in an announcement. Because I don't think it's something that they would have chosen to reveal from some random web page. I think they'd make quite a big deal about it. Um, but as a game that I know I've spent literally hundreds of hours, I think it's about 140 odd hours, as I mentioned before, playing. Uh, I've, I've leveled up my character to a ridiculous amount where, uh, uh, again, as, we, as we've discussed, but... Um, is that something that would interest you, Boo, playing it on the next generation console? I know you've, you've now got your Xbox. Uh, would, would you be tempted to get the old uh, Elder Scrolls Skyrim on it? Believe it or not, Dave, the answer is no. Oh. I'll tell you why. Because, Please do. Because I put so much time into my original character. Yeah. I don't see them giving you the ability to port stuff over from other generate like save files from other generations do you know what that yeah we said exactly the same thing i was talking at work today about it and um we all said if if there was that option to transfer your save file across then you might be tempted uh but yeah or it gave you some option if it recognized the save file from a previous generation then you could automatically start a different place or what have you but yeah it's um that's my worry i would rather have a new game by Bethesda, whether it be Fallout 4 or you know the or the next Elder Scrolls game, not Elder Scrolls Online though. I'm talking you know the single player experience because yeah. that's what we like here at the Milk and It podcast. Um, but no, I I don't want to put that time back into it. And and the same for Fallout 3. Even if they released an HD version, the the idea of starting again after seeing everything that I've seen, I just couldn't do it. Completely, and I think that's 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 the, the the worry. But you know, like I said to yesterday, if we'd have done this podcast, I would have been reporting that as, as fact. Today, Bethesda have turned around and said, no, it was a mistake, and we're, we're not going to be doing that. But uh, so watch this space in terms of uh, Skyrim and what's going on with that. But um, uh, the final bit of uh, geek news. Uh, oh, well, actually, uh, Boo, anything else? I do have one last bit of mm. geek news. It's uh, it, again. It's uh, it's news of a sequel. It may be uh, a joke, but um, <laughs> in an interview on American television, uh, Shaquille O'Neal uh, may have slipped that the uh, the classic 16 uh, 16 bit uh, fighting game Shaq Fu may be getting a sequel. <laughs> seriously? Yeah, seriously. Oh, amazing. He said, he said, and I quote, "Oh man, the graphics are going to be crazy." Um, well, there we go. But what adds credence to the for, to what he said is that a few months back, the 
people that run his website hmm. trademarked the name Shaq Fu too. So, you know, it might, it may or may not happen, but I just thought I'd uh, <laughs> mention the uh, possibility of a Shaq Fu of all the games to make a sequel. Definitely, that would be uh, very interesting to see how they'd work with that one. Uh, even if it was just something for the iOS or, or however you do it for Android or what have you, it'd be very, very interesting to play that again. Oh, certainly play a sequel. Um, the other bit I was going to say, uh, the, the final bit of geek news, which happened today, uh, well, last night, in fact, in the States, there was a, a big announcement by the WWE. As you know, we uh, we cover wrestling news on the Milking It podcast. We know you're not all fans, but um, something has definitely piqued the interest of uh, the media in the States in terms of professional wrestling. Um, not much coverage over here. Not surprising because it's not due to launch over here for quite a while. But uh, the WWE, the, the biggest force in professional wrestling, have announced their 24-7 streaming network. Um, they've been talking about it for a, for a couple of years now in terms of what you know, this network was going to launch. And they announced a logo last year and kind of teased bits and pieces. And um, no one was quite sure whether it was going to be something that uh, ran as a channel, uh, the same as you'd get on Sky here or on cable in the States. Um or whether it was going to be something that streamed online, a bit like the UFC had been doing uh, in Mexico and Brazil, uh, which are, they're launching theirs uh, very soon in the States as well. Or you know, the NFL do it in the States. Uh, uh, I believe there's, a, there's various apps as well you can get on uh, on your uh, Android and iOS and also your, your Xbox 360s, etc. Uh, but they have. They've announced it and it's going to happen. Uh, it's going to launch on the uh, 24th of February this year. Uh, they had a massive press conference last night, pulled in a load of the legends, uh, a load of the people that the, the mainstream media recognize anyway, people like Stone Cold Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels and John Cena and all those. Uh, and of course, Vince McMahon. Um, and they, they did. They said that they're going to launch in the US uh, on February 24th. Um, your money per year uh, will, well, basically it'll cost you $9.99 in terms of dollars per month. Uh, they're going to ask for a six month commitment and you will get lots of original programming, which we'll, we'll talk a bit more about in a second. Um, but you'll also get all, all 12 WWE pay-per-view events. So that's the one that we've talked to before about the amount that they rip people off um, about you know, getting these, these monthly events. But that's also going to include WrestleMania, which is a massive deal, really, uh, when you think about it, especially for the States where they, they charge, I think it's upwards of $60 uh, every month. And WrestleMania, I believe, it might be even a little bit more. Um, so yeah, I just wonder what you what you thought about it. I mean, I've been reading the information today. Um, I was caught up with it on my lunch and uh, sort of found out what was going on. And uh, I'm quite excited, which I'll, I'll discuss in a moment. But I just wondered uh, yourself, Booley, as a wrestling fan um, and someone who uh, enjoys their streaming media, what you thought? I think it's uh, it's a good thing because it means a lot of the uh, archive stuff that you otherwise wouldn't have access to. Yeah. As far as I'm aware, you, it's going to have a lot of archive stuff that you can just watch like Netflix. Extra, yeah, it seems very much to be following the sort of Netflix plan. Uh, I believe what they've said is um, pretty much every ECW pay-per-view that was ever produced, plus the majority of WCW pay-per-views that were produced since 1985... And where will else are you be available. see this stuff? Except that's yeah. that's the crunch. Of what well, that's it. They, where else you can... Yeah, and, and, unless you wait for those sort of once a year DVDs they release, 
you know, you, you're never going to be able to watch that thing. But the idea of being able to just turn on and watch, you know, uh, Heatwave 97 or whatever, that that to me appeals. I think I would quite happily lose myself in old ECW and WCW footage. And I mean, WrestleMania is the kicker as well. I mean, you know, the fact that you'll have access to WrestleMania is a big thing. The fact that it'll be a lot cheaper for people in America specifically um, to watch WrestleMania. And I think eventually, if it all works out, you know, there's a good chance that Vince might make it, you know, a, a WWE Network exclusive, but eventually. So, um, I think that's the thing. It's, yeah, it, it depends obviously on how many people subscribe and, and go for it. And the sort of the six month thing works out quite well with them in terms of right, they, they know people are going to be committed. So, you know, the, the, hopefully it might even see an improvement in the product for the first six months. Um, I, I know they've said that obviously Raw and SmackDown, they're already committed to various networks in the States and indeed around the world. Um, so they won't be shown live, but you will be able to pick up on them as soon as the program's ended. So they'll make them available, same as Hulu does and you know other options like, like you say, Netflix in the States do. Um, with original programming, you can watch them pretty much straight away after they've finished and you know watch them when you want to watch them, which is essentially what most people do nowadays anyway, I suppose, you know, especially, you know, I, I tend to, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have Sky, so I Sky Plus stuff. I, 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 you know, I never watch it live because it's on you know, in the middle of the night. But I, I'll always just catch up with it on my next day off or whatever. And this is a, a much cheaper option than having Sky TV. If I could just go online and you know watch it on my iPhone or you know bring it up on an app on the Xbox One and uh, yeah, which they're talking about being available in the summer. Um, that's that for me would be perfect. I'd quite happily do that. And again, they'll. They... The amount of the stuff in the WWE archive, they'll just be able to release new content of classics all the time. And, yeah. Um, and it does appeal because it, it means that this stuff is available. And I don't think that the price is especially bad either for the amount of content that they've got access to. Um, in fact, the, the pay-per-views are probably the least appealing thing about the package. It certainly um, is at the moment, yeah. I mean, obviously, the the main draw and the reason they had people like Steve Austin, um, you know, and Shawn Michaels and you know, John Cena and everyone involved in that... Um, that no, uh, Hogan. He's a free, man, a free agent as well. He's moment. a free agent, but apparently was recording something else last night in Las Vegas, which seems a little bit fishy as the whole thing was held in Las Vegas. Um, but no, I'm, I'm not surprised. Maybe they're, they're holding fire on that and that'll be something that they tease as an exclusive sort of announcement on the, you know, on the live WWE network or, or I don't know. I, I, I don't know how they're going to use Hogan. I'm, they obviously will. He's got no other options. Um, and as much as I probably have knocked the guy for his work in TNA and he's definitely one of the worst performers this year. Uh, in the sense... If you were standing in front of Hulk Hogan, you'd be shaking like a leaf. Of course I would. Absolutely. And, and if Hulk I... Hulk Hogan, and I agree, no matter what anyone says about him, he is a legend. He is. So... And I would mark out like a kid if he so would I. got involved in <laughs> WrestleMania in any way possible. If, you know, it, all he would have to do is just walk down and you know just be there to wave at the crowd and i would mark out for a hogan moment you know i don't think he's got many more hogan moments left in him but i do think that that's something that i i would quite happily watch hogan return at wrestlemania to do a tag match with john cena which is what they're talking about um but yeah i, I think you know as much as i don't like john cena i'd i'd, I'd like the fact that uh, that hogan was involved 
Uh, but just, yeah, just a couple of things that they've they've announced in terms of uh, what's going to be available. So they've um, they've talked about the 12 pay-per-view events, which we, we, we've mentioned. Um, so you'll get all of the pay-per-view events, including WrestleMania. Uh, they're saying you can watch them live or on demand, which obviously is what most people would, would end up watching on them. Uh, you get all the post-shows and the pre-shows, which they've been doing on YouTube anyway at the moment. Uh, the Monday Night War, which is the, the, the main uh, sort of uh, WWE versus WCW stuff from the mid-90s, which uh, they did do on Classics on Demand. I've watched quite a few of those that they did, uh, which was uh, hosted by Michael Michael Cole, uh, who would give you a kind of background to both events uh, and what was happening that particular week. And they, they'd then show you the whole of the Raw and the whole of the uh, WCW Nitro. The interesting thing about the ones that they've showed previously on Classics on Demand, and this will appeal to Boo because I remember him talking about his top matches of all time, is that they rarely showed any footage from WCW that included Chris Benoit. That What they're saying now and what was mentioned in a press release which hasn't been covered a huge amount is that they will be showing footage involving Chris Benoit unedited. However, it will contain a warning before they show the footage that this is included in the broadcast that you're about to view. So they're quite happy to to show those matches and acknowledge that he existed, but they will give you a warning if you want to avoid it. Yeah, which is quite a bizarre idea that we've got to that point. Um, Considering a lot of things that uh, wrestlers have done, there probably should be a few more warning signs put up. But uh, obviously he uh, beats any of those. So uh, I'm not surprised that they are doing that just to cover themselves, really. But uh, yeah, so Chris Benoit is, is no longer going to be the man who shall not be named. He will be mentioned. He will be on the uh, the footage that they show as part of those Monday Night Wars. And for me, I, I loved watching those because that, to me, was resting. It was a point where I couldn't really get Monday Nitro um, in full. It was an edited version, I think, on TNT. Um, so I used to watch Raw and then only see little bits of WCW. So I always enjoy watching those old Nitros and stuff. I quite happily watch those all day. Um, I mean, I'd, again, uh, the, the WrestleMania Rewind was another thing they've mentioned, which is a, a look at the sort of matches. So they break break down the matches, give you a background, give you what was going on, show you the interviews leading up to it. They did something like this. I don't know whether you ever saw it. Um, they did um, a special edition WrestleMania 3 DVD. I don't think I saw that. What, what was special about it, David? Uh, basically, well, WrestleMania 3 was never released as the complete pay-per-view broadcast it was a very edited version um a lot of the matches just like were literally chopped down to three or four minutes uh whereas they went sort of 10 uh you you lost a lot of the original sort of camera footage and that kind of stuff um so this is the 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 one they did there is they they basically edited it um a lot like watching wrestlemania now so they gave you sort of comprehensive video packages before the, the matches they gave you the, like the interviews that they'd done on saturday night's main event leading up to it and the events that had happened and it was all voiced over and, and everything else and just gave it a bit more of a modern feel a bit like they've done with this year's uh rest uh, wwe uh, 2k14 game and that kind of stuff where they they give it a whole sort of modern presentation and that's what they it sounds like they're doing with wrestlemania rewind so they'll look in depth they'll show you footage from behind the scenes there'll be interviews with superstars currently and superstars from the time that sounds quite interesting to me i, I you know there, there's not a lot of groundbreaking matches from wrestlemania but um i'm sure I always enjoy a video package that they put together. I must admit, it's, uh, they, they have a particular talent for for editing those things together. I heard you did like a talented package, Dave. 
So the next thing is uh, WWE. <laughs> uh, the next thing, yeah, like we've mentioned, is the, the, the countdown. It's the, the uh, interactive countdown series uh, where basically they, they just pull together like superstars. Oh, it's the top 10 superstars. It's the top 15 unexpected moments. It's the best catchphrases and, and all that kind of stuff. So they'll, they'll be polling that together uh, using the WWE app and, and that kind of thing. I'm not a big fan of the, the countdown shows as much as we use top fives, um, as much as we, we have in the past. But um, five coming up there. <laughs> yes, um, but there's 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 always a lot of that sort of stuff on their website where you just think, oh, really? The top seventeen worst gimmicks in WCW history, and it's like, well, is it really? Or no, I'm not sure. But yeah, so they'll be doing some countdown shows on there because they're easy television to produce. To be fair, now, Dave, just a, just a question mm. now, on the classics on demand. My favourite show was obviously the Legends of Wrestling Roundtable. Yes. Have they announced any of this for the WWE Network? Because they've all, there's no Jim Ross to present it anymore. There isn't. And um, they haven't, unfortunately, announced any of the Legends Roundtable. That was without... If you haven't had a chance to, to catch that, have a look on YouTube because uh, there's always people putting them up. They are, without a doubt, the best thing that WWE have produced in the past probably five years. They are just wonderful moments and some of the guests on there have been absolutely great and the stuff they discuss is very very interesting um, i go back and watch those all the time they are just brilliant they they produced um, a blu-ray of the nwo a couple of years back which um well probably not even a couple of years back probably only 18 months or so uh which was supposed to be this new comprehensive nwo D- uh, blu-ray dvd um the only reason i bought that uh for a very very cheap price in a local um, cash converters <laughs> was because it had an HD version of the NWO Legends Roundtable on there, which is one of the best forty minutes of television I have ever ever watched. Kevin Nash's stories and his honesty during that roundtable are outstanding, and as always, Mean Gene is Mean Gene. But it's funny you should mention Legends because that was one of the next things I was going to say was. Um, that the finally they've said in in april wwe legends house will be shown it's thankfully they've got this in before any of them have popped their clogs because i believe they recorded it almost two years ago now wasn't it well I, yeah that 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 show has been kind of up the name has been up in the air for ages and then they kind of showed some shots from it ages ago yeah, it's like people like Rowdy Woody Piper and Tony Atlas and uh, Jimmy Hart's on it, I believe, and things like that. I remember seeing pictures of them doing like a dance class or it was like yeah, a the, aerobics workout or something. I did, yeah. yeah, as I said, we'd, I'd seen some pictures, but I've heard nothing about it till obviously now. So that's that's actually going to get shown it. Yeah, apparently so. They're saying that those are those are going to be be shown. Um, obviously, uh, NXT, which is one of the, again one of the big deals. I would uh, you know if I got rid of my Sky, one of the great things I love watching every week is NXT. It's a bit not a guilty pleasure even. It's just a pleasure to watch NXT. Um, very much in my eyes, like watching old school independent wrestling, sort of mid south or things like that. It's it's just got a very clean feel to it. Yes, they've got the Titan Tron. Yes, they've got the dry ice and everything else but you can tell dusty Rhodes is involved in it 
you can tell that there's a lot of the sort of classic superstars working behind the scenes with these guys. And it's just nice to see guys you don't know. Yes, some of them look like they've just been randomly generated, as I've said before, by the creator wrestler or what have you. And some of them do have the worst trunks in professional wrestling. But it's just it, it's really, really great to watch. And um, especially if you like women's wrestling, because the, some of the stuff on NXT just blows away anything that they'll allow you to see on Raw or SmackDown without a shadow of a doubt. So it seems interesting. I mean, that, that's the, you know, so for me, NXT, uh, that it would be worth it alone. I, I really enjoy watching NXT every week. Um, video on demand, as we've discussed, is the big deal. That's the one that's going to put on there. Um, they're saying literally you're going to get over 1,500 hours of video on demand at launch. You take my money, sir. Uh, it doesn't launch in the UK until uh, late this year, early next year, but uh, definitely something I'll be checking out. And now here's Jay with this week's Sticky Thumb Fun Emporium. It's Mount Your Friends. Mount with friends, Dave. Not in my house. Let's start with a question. When was the last time you mounted a friend? I would imagine if you're currently a teenage boy, you may have done it fairly recently. Because as a teenage boy, you've got very few options. One, sleep with a friend at a side of your party. Or two, remain a virgin. This is because as a teenage boy, you're an unapproachable monster with the social skills of a lump fish. You may get to sleep with the girls in your social group after coating their innards with enough cider to submerge a Dodge Charger, and then you had just better hope that your inexperienced fumbling ends up with your little pink sniper laying down on a grassy knoll. That's a vagina, by the way. While you're attempting that creepy drug-fueled fumbling, remember your best friend's doing the same thing in the next room with the girl you slept with last week. Mount with Friends for Steam users and Xbox Live takes the premise of these teen Caligula parties and takes them to their next logical extreme, homosexual gymnastic sports event. What? That's how they all end up, right? Right? Huh? I tell you what, I should never have listened to that guy in the park. This multiple player strategy game is like a new millennial chess tasking each player to stack their army of thong-wearing gymnasts one at a time as high as they can go in each one-minute round. It starts off relatively easy, as that one minute is ample time to scale the fleshy cliffside. As that mountain of humanity gets bigger, however, the same time limit applies, making that latter stages of the game as terse as a discussion with your parents about why you swapped your younger sibling for a bag of Skittles. With that guy in the park again. God, that man in the park. Why I order? The tension is ramped up still further by the climbing controls, as each limb of your well-oiled gymnast is controlled by the four action buttons on the Xbox control pad. It's a real contortionist finger-mouse dream, as your fingers rudely barge into each other like suit-wearing commuters at rush hour. It may sound awful, but it works a treat, and you'll never feel as if you're Blameless, should your rubber-limbed avatar fall helplessly into the abyss of failure. That's what the guy in the park called Cellar. I was kept there for 14 years, you know. Dildos, everything. It was awful. Graphics are rudimentary at best, with simple character designs and plain backdrops. The dramatic music, though, is an epic masterpiece, 
that makes you feel the art of stacking bethonged oiled men on top of each other is the most important thing in the world, and who knows, it might well be. I should perhaps mention the one thing that draws people's attention to the game the most when they first see it. Yes, this game does indeed feature amped up genital physics. If you remember Dead or Alive 2 on the PlayStation 2, and you remember setting the age function on the option menu to 99, imagine that, but with gentleman parts. Yep, it's low-brow comedy gold, as this game is in general. As the guy in the park kept telling me, it's more fun with others. So if you have a party coming up, and you're not at an age, or you're planning to give a teenage girl her first pregnancy scare, please buy this. It will go down an absolute storm. So, that's five thumb marks out of five. So, as you heard at the uh, the top of the show, uh, as they say, I believe in uh, something more professional than we do, uh, is that Boulamont has committed himself in the next generation war. Yes, he's joined the side of the righteous. Uh, he has himself an Xbox One. Booley, how's that going? Dave, um, I was offered the Xbox One at a massively reduced price, um, and I was really holding out for a PS4 because, as has been stated on the Milk in It podcast, I am a Sony guy, but... After chatting to you a bit about the Xbox One and seeing some of the stuff, and I mean, Dead Rising was a real selling point, as was Peggle. Yeah. We'll get on to those two in a bit. Um, I, I like it. It's The controller's decent, the setup's decent. It's got the HDMI output for the other device so that I can have the PS3 plugged in at the same time. Um, the Kinect, the voice, the voice, it, it works most like nearly 90% of the time for me, so um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it. I still intend to get a PS4, not anytime soon. Okay. Um, but you're right. But for the time being, I have committed myself to the Xbox One, and I'm and I'm I'm pleased with. It. Excellent. Well, so in terms of the experience so far, um, I've got my thoughts. Uh, I've, I've well, I've given you my thoughts in terms of uh, what I'd, what I've been enjoying, what I haven't, and everything else. And like you mentioned, a couple of games which I've really loved so far. Um, how have you found it in terms of the next generation? Does it feel next generation to you, or do you think there's still more that you're going to experience? Or the, the experience at first, um, the, the graphics are definitely improved, and, and I think everything looks very nice. Yeah. Um, the, the Xbox experience so far, as I said, I like all the features. The Connect works. I mean, when we first set it up in my in, in my place, the, the the thing that really shocked me was how good the camera on the Connect was. And as I was setting up, I called I called out to my housemate, and uh, I was kind of like, "Dude, you've got to see this camera." Like, <laughs> just, that was before we'd even you know set anything else up. So yeah, I, 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 it does feel very next gen. The controller, um, it's it's got it's incorporated a lot more than the, than the last controller. Obviously, it's got yeah. a motion sensor, which I didn't realise until um, it was kind of the, the, there was a situation in Dead Rising where I've been grabbed by a zombie. And it kind of came up on the screen. I was like, what? And I kind of shook the controller and it worked. I was like, well, that, that's new. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, which I, I took for granted and then suddenly realized, oh, no, I'm used to that from the PlayStation 3 as opposed to my Xbox. It didn't really compute to me that I'd never yeah, done that with the Xbox before. <laughs> but the PlayStation didn't incorporate it that much. It did in the early days. Um, there was a game called Folklore, which used it a lot. To, you, to, you, you had to catch things, and you had to kind of fling the controller in your hand 
to catch these little creatures, these creatures. But um, um, that's the only time I remember using it really with the PlayStation. I remember folklore. Yeah, I, I remember using the the controls um, a lot in terms of things like uh, Beyond Two Souls and stuff later on. Um, well, I'm sure. How like, could I, how could I forget Beyond Two Souls? Yeah, I mean they they worked into it pretty well, but uh, a lot of the time it was just quite a frustrating thing to to get into. But no, Dead Rising, I thought used it really really well. I mean, that's, um, you know, I, I definitely thought that that, that, that was a, a really good experience in terms of the thing. Hey, and can, I, can I just gush about Dead Rising 3 for a bit? Of um, course you can, mate, and I will quite happily gush with you, in uh, which I'm sure we've, we've never done before. <laughs> uh, uh, it is, for me, it is worth the money I paid for on the Xbox, and I'll tell you why, just because it's been such a complete experience. A, it's, it's the first Dead Rising game I've ever completed, finally yeah. <laughs> to me till three and i've just jumped straight back into it and I, i've enjoyed it so much um mm. i use my smartphone the app on the smartphone um oh sorry very quickly that has been i know i i talked about it when and and i think it was me talking about it that kind of convinced some of the guys who were listening with you as well that that was one of the great ways of using it. Um, and obviously you brought up examples of, of previous games that had used that. But that's the Smart Glass app so far, I have been extremely, extremely impressed with. So have I. And I mean, it just syncs up so well. Um, again, it's part of the Xbox experience. Um, I mean, but the game has been fantastic. Um, it, I've, I've let a couple of people jump into my game on the odd occasion and I've, and I've not found them to be an annoyance. Um, I found it to be, yeah, easily worth every penny for the Xbox one is, is dead rising three. Yeah. And, uh, and it is an exclusive. And I really thought the killer app for me was going to be Peggle two. And I love, and, and, how great is Peggle 2? It is fantastic. It, it is wonderful. And it's just, ah, oh, so much fun to play. Absolutely. So much fun to play. Uh, but Dead Rising 3 has been the the, 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 uh, the machine seller for me. Um, but I must say that in terms of feeling like, wow, this is a next-gen game, I've got to give it up to Rise, Son, uh, Son of Rome. Yeah. I mean, the, the graphics are out fucking standing. Do you know what, though? I, I, hmm, I, I shouldn't really comment on this because I've only played like the first like half hour of it, but it, it just doesn't seem to have much substance to it. No, it's it's a repetitive button basher. But Dave, once you've unlocked more of those kills, right. and then you get you, you can you can kill like you can execute two people at once. And you, when you get into a flow of killing, mm. um, I know that that's going to sound mad, but um, <laughs> once you get into a flow of killing on Rise, Sun, slightly Rise, disturbing, but go on. <laughs> kind of combos together, and I mean it's just just brilliant. Okay, well, no, no, that sounds good. I mean, I, I, maybe as I get further into it, I, it'll be something that I, I get into it uh, and I, I enjoy it even more and there's more stuff going on, uh, then, yeah, that's fine. But at the moment, yeah, like I say, it, it's like a poor man's God of War and I'm such a big God of War fan that it, that's kind of stuck a bit of a craw in my throat, sir. But, oh, yeah, um, and, as I, and I mean, as I said, it's not been the experience. Uh, it's not been as great an experience for me as Dead Rising 3, but I've just... That for me was the watching, you know, playing even uh, Rise. For me, just I was like, yeah, we're definitely, you know, this is this is a next generation game. Yeah. And I know that in a year's time we're going to be like, oh, the launch games looked so lame, and how bad was that Rise game? But right now, at this time, it is a real, you know, that is a next gen game for me. 
Yeah, fair, I, yeah, I totally understand that. And it was, I mean, it was originally developed for the 360 and then they realised they could do a lot more for the Xbox One. So they, they started the development and it has been sort of built from the ground up, especially to use that that sort of stuff. Um, I must admit, I, I was messing around and seeing what sort of demos were on there the other day because I've got, I kind of reached the, the point where, you know, I, I bought Forza for it as well. Because um, I, I, like I've mentioned before, I, I managed to get the games a little bit cheaper because of a, a thing that I do through work. Um, and... Forza was that one. A bit, that sounds a bit dodgy. That a thing I do through uh, through work. All right. Well, no, it's like an ambassador program that they yeah, run. The, the Microsoft and... ambassador program. Yeah. 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 It's the expert zone they call it. Um, and if you complete certain things in terms of being able to sell the products, then they give you money off. So essentially, you get it for a lot less than half price. In fact. Um, so you know the the idea of having Forza for twenty quid as opposed to sixty certainly appeals. Um, so I, I picked that up and I've really enjoyed Forza. I'm not a racing fan. I am not a car junkie at all. I don't understand the appeal of cars, but it's a beautiful looking game. And if you want to impress anyone when they come round, it's the game to put on because it's the easiest game to play in the world. It's just you go faster, you stop. <laughs> if you mess it up, you can rewind. It's really simple. So that's the one I've been using when people want to see what the actual console does and you know, get see, really excited. I'm... I'm not a car guy either, but I desperately want to play Forza. Just it looks nice, and um, the, the the you know I got people here where I live who who are petrol heads, and I know they're going to love it when when we finally get our copy of Forza. Definitely, you know, and it's worth a go because it is it's a good fun game. There's good achievements to unlock and everything else. Um, I'm guilty, unfortunately, of most of my time so far on the xbox one has been playing peggle and uh, lego marvel superheroes because I'd, I'd completed the story mode on 360 but i hadn't done any of the sort of side missions or sort of grinded for studs to unlock every character so i thought you know what i'd quite happily play that story mission again so i ended up getting that on <laughs> uh, yeah I've, I've kind of ruined that for myself when i when i played it um on the previous generation on the ps3 right because uh, i i did you know, I did grind for I did grind for Stud Dave. <laughs> I've heard that um, about you, but yes. <laughs> so that's not something I'm looking to jump back into straight away. Mm. Maybe down the road, pre-owned. Um, you know, when it's a lot cheaper, I, I may want to jump straight back into that and see what it's like on the next gen. It's good fun, but I'd say um, hold fire because there's a, there's a new Lego game coming out. Um, I think it's towards the end of next month, um, which is based around the Lego movie, which we haven't spoken about. And we'll we'll talk a bit more about next week um, because it's it's something that I'm very, very excited about. Yeah, no, it looks interesting with the with the cameos that are. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you know me, any game with Batman on the front cover is going to get me interested. But uh, yeah, we'll talk about that. But yeah, that looks like it could be uh, a very intriguing game to play because it really pulls in some characters you'd never think you'd see again. So I reckon it, your Lego experience if you've rinsed it a bit on the previous generation hold fire because that's coming out for the next gen as well uh so that might be your your lego game of choice to uh, baptize your virginial xbox one lego moment just on a just on a side lego note dave um hmm. which i really should have chucked into geek news uh, did you see that they uh, released the first pictures i believe they're the first pictures from the uh, simpsons lego sets I did. That house looks absolutely amazing. I don't get excited about Lego, a full stop particularly, but give me a Simpsons house made of Lego. I think it's about 180 quid, something like that. But, oh man, it looked amazing. <laughs> I would def definitely be interested in... Uh, in if I were a richer man, Dave, I would definitely buy it. 
Yeah, totally. I think yeah, if if I had money to burn, which I, I really don't, uh, I would definitely be going going for that. But no, I, I'm glad you've been enjoying the Xbox One. I mean, I'm certainly so far so good. I just think at, at the moment, unfortunately, there's not that many games for it that I'm particularly excited about playing. Although I must admit that because I do have access to uh, to this Ambassador Expert Zone slash program. Um, I did pick up a very cheap copy of Zoo Tycoon, which I've yet to break the seal on. Um, I'm slightly concerned that I've got to the point... I've not heard good things, mate. No, it's got some very poor reviews. But as far as I was concerned, when I going back to our previous subject, is that Dead Rising has got some absolutely appalling reviews from people. Um, I'm, you know, and myself included at first. But once I've got into it, I must admit it's absolutely brilliant. And I look forward to some co-op, some milking it co-op on Dead Rising. Oh, definitely, Dave. We we need to get on them. <clears throat> Maybe do a little uh, record, a little chat while we um, slash and hack our way through the city. Definitely. I mean, that that was very interesting as well. Um, for anyone who follows me on Facebook, I don't think I'll put it on the official uh, Milking It uh, Facebook. Oh, incidentally, you can email us now uh, <laughs> at uh, milkingitpodcast at gmail.com. So if you want to get in contact and tell us uh, your thoughts on the Xbox One or anything else we've discussed tonight, please do. Um, just as a little side note. Um, yeah, was that we, we actually <laughs> Skyped via our Xboxes the other night. Um, we normally Skype to do this program just to destroy the fourth wall. Um, but uh, yeah, we actually Skyped. Same room. Of- We're in the same room. Well, well, that night we were, sir. We were in the same room. And it was very strange. I can't actually remember the last time we spoke face to face. It's been a long while. Um, but And obviously we've, we've been talking like this since August pretty much every other week or whenever we've managed to, to do it. But it was a very strange experience um, doing a proper Skype. But I, I just wish I'd worn some clothes. Yeah. Before this week's backstory bollocks from Jay, he'd like us to read you a little something that he sent us. Dear Milkomaniacs, a.k.a. the Milksters, sometimes in the heady world of making absolute shit up, you can forget the little people. Regrettably, during the boo-soaked penning of this week's backstory bollocks, I appear to have omitted two key members of the Tetris franchise, namely the S-Block and the Reverse L-Block. I can only offer my sincerest apologies to the friends, fans and families of these much-loved characters. Your tireless work of falling down a well to construct temporary walls as part of a much-loved puzzle game has been rightly lauded across generations of game players. Thank you for your contribution, and I once again apologise with absolute conviction for this terrible oversight. Yours sincerely, Jay Hodgkin. Tetris remains one of the most popular video games of all time. It's easy to see why. It's timeless, addictive and could be played by anyone with poseable thumbs. Except the blind, but screw them. They get free Labradors, Labradors that can actually do stuff for them, rather than the bog-standard household Labrador, which is a tongue-lolling idiot. What blind people lose in not being able to see art and natural beauty, they gain in genius-level, floppy-eared canines that take them to Pilates, Hoover, clean out that box of junk in the conservatory, and give them hand jobs in the shower. Uh, probably. Yes, Tetris is pretty cool. I think it's the one video game that will be played in its current form until the sun swallows us all up and shits us out as cosmic dust. Take that, Angry Birds, you child-snaring corporate whore with all your bloody t-shirts and your little cuddly toys with no wings and they're all fat little birds. Fuck them. But have you played it recently, though? 
Yes, obviously on the toilet. It's the only place to play mid-80s puzzle games now, replacing the newspaper as the man's grunt-time shover-fudge entertainment of choice. But in between the contorted frowning of your post-curry gruffing, have you noticed anything different? The T-block, for instance. It looks slightly off, doesn't it? Like when they replaced Becky and Roseanne, or Sam Mitchell in EastEnders. Yes, that is correct. It is exactly that. The T-block in each iteration of Tetris released since Tetris DX on the Game Boy Color in 1998 has been played by Ryder Strong, who is most famous for his portrayal as Sean Hunter in the early 90s on Boy Meets World. Well, there you are. That's bedazzled you, hasn't it, Mr. Fancy Pants? So what of the original T-block? The blocks in Tetris have always had a fractious relationship. Megastars of 80s and 90s pop culture, egos were bound to be swelled amongst the geometric supergroup. For instance, the square shape and the L shape had been married from a very young age. Unfortunately, the L shape's huge top protuberance had often caught the eye of the other two shapes, and a burgeoning sexuality had resulted in her having affairs. Not just with the other two Tetris shapes, mind. She also had an affair with the barrel from Donkey Kong, the spreader gun from Contra, the baseball bat from Double Dragon, and most famously Gary Husband, the drummer from Level 42. The L-shape's promiscuous nature was obviously problematic, but not as much as the jealousy inherent from the T-shape towards the game's lead heartthrob. It was always clear from the start that the straight shape was the main star of the game. He was the one all the girls swooned over, the one they all wanted. Perhaps it's because he resembled a dildo. He regularly did four lines during his performance, which often made him unable to appear as frequently as the others. The T-shape, spurned on by envy, constantly rowed with his charismatic game mate until one day things came to a head and he stormed out of production on the aforementioned lucrative Tetris DX. He was a popular patron at Los Angeles' Notorious Viper Club for a while, drinking to excess and sleeping with numerous Hollywood starlets who had grown up enjoying his work. Between the years 1998 and 2005, he had become quite the celebrity swordsman, romancing Natalie Portman, Minnie Driver, Jenny McCarthy, Selma Hayek, and that woman who played Supergran. He fucked her to death, the dirty sod. Her family can't look at Lego without bursting into tears. Hmm. He was the toast of Hollywood for a while, too, starring in a wide variety of movie genres to great acclaim from critics and fans alike. Keep an eye out for him in minor roles in As Good As It Gets, Superman Returns, Man on the Moon, Three Ninja Kids at Mega Mountain, Gran Torino and every film directed by Tim Burton because he's just as fucking chummy with him as Depp, Elfman and that Bonham Carter bird. The T-Block lost interest in making movies at around 2009 as he felt it was being typecast. A quick glance at IMDb reveals that he seems to largely be cast as part of a background wall. The only exception to this was when he was cast as Anne Hathaway's G-String in the movie Havoc, a role he excelled in but didn't really enjoy. In a later interview, he revealed why. He explained that he didn't get along with his co-star, and I quote, Although her cooch was like a velveteen pathway to a land of penile glory and gripped him as steadfast as a determined steel gorilla fist, her face was too big for her head and she stank of flooded graveyards. A brief dalliance with music arrived in 2010 when he self-released the single You Fit In The Groove Ooh Ah Ooh Ah, a collaboration with Bon Jovi guitarist Richie Sambora, Sex Pistol skinsman Paul Cook, former Smiths bassist Andy Rourke and Jerry Halliwell. It only managed a dismal 412 in the American Billboard chart, 
although enjoyed a lengthy stay at number one in Turkmenistan, where the tea block is vaunted as some sort of fucking god. With all his ventures struggling, the tea block attempted to rejoin the Tetris franchise in time for the PlayStation 3 downloadable version in 2011. Alas, time had not healed old wounds, and tea was cut adrift. Ryder Strong's doing a damn good job, you know. Slipping into a deep depression, the original T-Block was found in his Miami apartment by his neighbour on August the 4th, 2012. He had taken a speedball which would fuck up a horse. His legacy was tainted when police found a video of he, Daddy Mac from Criss Cross, and the Red Snake from Nintendo Classic Snake Rattle and Roll masturbating over the flank of a worried-looking Indian elephant on his hard drive. What a tragic end to a life of excess. Take lessons from this, all of you. There are lessons there. Not sure what, but uh, just bloody do it, all right. Now, piss off. Go on, get ya. You wanna milk it and you know. You gotta milk it and you know. So, that was episode 13 of the Milk Milk Podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, as always, thanks to the friends of the show. Thank you very much to Jay for his input. Always appreciate it. Thank you very much to Dino Peppers for his wonderful artwork. And thank you very much to a man we don't mention enough. And he always contributes and always helps us out with the uh, Facebook site. And that's Colm. Uh, we're going to get him on the, the show very soon, in fact, for a mini milk. So uh, look forward to that one. Um, as I mentioned, Facebook, you can like us on Facebook. It's uh, uh, facebook.com forward slash milking it you can email us as i also mentioned while we were chit chatting it's milking it podcast at gmail.com get in contact and tell us what you want us to talk about or any uh, any ideas you have or anything that you disagree with or agree with with the show or even if you just want to tell us how wonderful we are that would be lovely to hear you can follow us on twitter which we don't really use a great deal but uh, maybe we will maybe we won't we'll see that's at teat tugger so as i say this was the milking it podcast thank you very much for listening my name's david davis and I'm Boulamont, and we want to thank you once again for joining us, and we hope you join us again next week for the Milking It podcast. You wanna milk it and you know. You gotta milk it and you know. Destroy them all. Ah, it feels so good to be so bad. <laughs>